Let's open up our service with a word of prayer and invite the Lord to come and be with us. Father in heaven, we come before you. We thank you and praise you for the privilege and opportunity to be able to come and freely worship you. And I ask that it would be your Holy Spirit that stirs our hearts and souls, draws us near to you through your word. Lord, I pray that you'd help each of us to be able to lay aside those things that so distract us, the chaos of this world. And help us this morning, during this hour, to just focus in on you and to worship you. We thank you and praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. You're the king of my heart, be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from. Oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life. Oh, he is my song. You are good, good. Oh, you are good, good. Let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down
Would you please stand and together we're going to lift up our voice as we sing This is Amazing Grace. Amazing grace This is unfair 
Count your miracles, one, two, three, four, I can't even count them all. I would like you to turn your Bibles with me, if you would, to Jeremiah chapter 13. Better read the verses 1 down through 11. Title of our message this morning is People Need Spiritual Renewal. It's part of the Christian walk, but even before that, it's just part of God's people. That sometimes we just have to step back and have spiritual renewal. Same thing why we try to have revival. Uh, in October, we have an evangelist coming. He's going to be preaching revival. Why? Because it's good for us to have spiritual renewal, to go back, kind of reevaluate, rethink, reconnect with the Lord. When we come to the book of Jeremiah, we find a great historic prophet. In fact, this morning we started in our Bible hour, our 9.30 Bible hour, uh, we're studying through the book of Jeremiah. In fact, we have student books right down here. If you, if you don't normally come to the Bible Hour, I encourage you to start coming, get a student's book. Uh, we're studying Tears for Shattered Lives through the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations. But Jeremiah, great prophet, born in the line of the priesthood, but not called to be a priest, called to be a prophet, a proclaimer of God's truth, a preacher of God's judgment upon the nation of Judah and Israel. And for you and I, when we come to this chapter in Jeremiah 13, verses 1 down through 11, we find that God calls him to become a living illustration. I love this text because it really brings us to a place of practicality where we understand what it is as Christians, as well as those folks back then, we understand that if we're not careful, we get dirty, we get soiled, we get tattered, and God desires to have a clean, close relationship with us. And he's going to do that through a living illustration with Jeremiah. This is about 550 B.C. So we're talking about ancient history, but living people. It's going to talk about a girdle. Now, I'm not sure people wear girdles today. I don't know. I, I know back when I was a kid, girdles were like these rubber spandex plastic things that women wore to kind of pull things in. Uh, but I'm not sure that I'm never, I don't ever see those for sale anywhere, so I don't know whether they still do that or not. But that's not what this is. This, actually, as I was, I was getting ready to preach, I thought to myself, you know what? This girdle is a little bit like what I had to wear when I got married. I remember that uh, we went, Sandra Joe and I, we were young, man, I was 21, she was 18. And we had to go pick out the tuxedos. Did you ever have to do that when you got married? You go pick out the tuxedos. And so you go, you got to pick out the jacket, the slacks, and then they ask you, do you want to have a cummerbund? How many of you even know what a cummerbund is? Oh, lots of you, absolutely. And so that cummerbund was that thing you snap in the back and it kind of goes across your waist. And I don't know whether it's actually supposed to suck something in because when I was 21, <laughs> there was nothing to suck in. I should be wearing it now, not then. But the girdle that's going to be talked about in this text I actually have some pictures for you to help you to understand what it is. This is the ancient girdle. And if you look at it, you see several styles. But basically, it was a, because they wore very flowing, loose clothes, it was the girdle that pulled in the waistband of those garments. They would carry their knife in it. They would maybe carry a coin purse or for gold or silver, that kind of thing. Uh, they might have other pockets for other things, but basically it was very utilitarian, or 
It could be a very decorative, beautiful garment as well that pulled in their loose robes and they wore around their waist. So when we read the text and you hear this girdle, it's one of these styles. What you're seeing there uh, is, you know, it talks about it's e the Egyptian style is number one and three. Uh, the Persepolitan is the number six one. Um, the Asians, Assyrians, uh, that's the four, five, and six. And it's hard to know. Now, Jeremiah was of the priesthood line and the priests wore girdles. The scriptures called them to wear them. They were beautiful white linen and they were ornate. But again, Jeremiah is not called to be a priest. So we're left with a little bit of ambiguity as far as what the girdle looked like. But I'm going to read the text to you. Jeremiah chapter 13, verses 1 down through 11. Thus saith the Lord unto me, Go and get thee a linen girdle, and put it upon thy loins, and put it not in water. So I got a girdle according to the word of the Lord, and put it on my loins. And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, Take the girdle that thou hast got, which is upon thy loins, and arise, and go to Euphrates, and hide it there in a hole in the rock. So I went. I hid it by Euphrates, as the Lord commanded me. And it came to pass after many days that the Lord said unto me, Arise, go to Euphrates, take the girdle from thence, which I commanded thee to hide there. Then I went to Euphrates, and digged, and took the girdle from the place where I had hid it. And behold, the girdle was marred, it was profitable for nothing. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thus saith the Lord, After this manner will I mar the pride of Judah, and the great pride of Jerusalem. This evil people which refuse to hear my words, which walk in the imagination of their heart, and walk after other gods to serve them, and to worship them, shall even be as this girdle, which is good for nothing. For as the girdle cleaveth to the loins of a man, so have I caused to cleave unto me the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah, saith the Lord, that they might be unto me for a people and for a name and for a praise and for a glory. But they would not hear. Let's ask God's blessing on his word. Father in heaven, as we look into these verses, I pray that you would help us to see the illustration that you had Jeremiah live and do, that we might understand the application to us in the year 2023. Give us clarity, Holy Spirit guidance, that we ourselves might be renewed and touched by the spiritual lesson you have. In Christ's name we pray, amen. As we look at this, we begin to understand certain things. I mentioned to you and I showed you some diagrams or some sketches of ancient girdles. God is a little bit specific with Jeremiah. When you look at the first verse, it says, Thus saith the Lord unto me, Go and get thee a linen girdle and put it upon thy loins. Well, there are some things built within to the verse 1 that help us to get a little bit of understanding. The average working man at that time wore a leather girdle. And it was very utilitarian, very durable. It was made for work. And it would gather their loose clothes together so that they could labor and not have to deal with the flowing clothes. So we know it's not a leather girdle. It's a linen girdle. However, in the Hebrew, it does not use the Hebrew word for the priestly girdle. So we know it's not a leather girdle and it's not a priestly girdle. It's somewhere between the two, which would be a little bit descriptive of the things you saw on the screen. It could have been very ornate because they would weave them and make them and embroider them sometimes with silver and gold. It could have been. But he specifically tells him, I want it to be that linen girdle, more than likely not made from wool, but flax. He tells him, I don't want you to put it in water. 
So he's saying to him, I don't want you to wash it. Because he's going to start to become that living illustration. So he's going to wear this very obvious garment. It gathers in his things. Maybe it's got some ornamentation on it, but it would be util utilitarian still anyways. But he tells them specifically, I don't want you to wash it. So what would happen? What would happen if every day you living in a very dirty world, not a carpeted, vacuumed, clean world, but a dirty world. If you're wearing a garment, when you sit and you eat, when you go out and travel and work, what's going to happen over time? It's going to get dirty. It's going to get soiled. It's going to get stained. It's going to start to discolor. You're going to want to wash it, I would like to hope. Although at youth camp, we find out that lots of kids don't understand the concept of washing. Uh, every year, we have to go ahead and, I, in fact, John was telling me that his cabin of boys, he said, Pastor, I don't understand it. The first day they stunk. I mean, they got their stinking bad. So all of a sudden, as the counselor, you're saying, you need a shower, you need a shower, you need a shower. And we hadn't even started yet. But we all understand the concept of that you want to wash things and keep them clean. But God is going to bring home a point to the nation of Israel. As they see their prophet, who is so very well known, they know who he is. And they're noticing that he's just not, he's not washing his girdle. And it's getting nasty. And they're, they're kind of remembering that. Now, maybe they're a little intimidated. They don't want to walk up to him and say, you know, you got a little Chinese food on that girdle there, right? A little maybe salsa over here from dips and chips. Maybe a little bit of spaghetti sauce from Italian night. They don't want to say anything, but they're noticing. And that's because God wants to make a point. They were used to seeing people wear these girdles as work, as common attire, even as priestly attire. But people cared for them. It was part of life. It would be like your regular clothes. It was part of the daily life. That unwashed, stained presence would have stood out. And all of a sudden they would have started to think, this is odd. And when you look at it in verse 3, it says, And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, Take the girdle that thou hast got, which is upon thy loins. And it had been some time. So he's going to tell them, I need you to go, Jeremiah, and take a journey with your girdle. So he takes the girdle. He goes on this journey 500 miles. That's a long journey. He says, I want you to go to Euphrates, and there I want you to find a rock, and I want you to put it in the hole of the rock. Now, maybe that means he rolls the rock out, and in that hole back there, he tucks that in, and he puts it back in that hole. And he tells him, I want you to leave it there. Now, Jeremiah might have been a little bit relieved. He might have thought to himself, well, if you're not going to let me wash it, at least let me discard it. But time will pass again when you come down through the text. Look with me if you would. Um, we're going to pick it up in verse 6. And it came to pass after how long? Many days. That the Lord said unto me, Arise, go to Euphrates, take the girdle from thence, which I commanded thee to hide there. And he went again 500 miles and digged and took the girdle from the place where I had hid it. And behold, the girdle was marred. It was profitable for nothing. So here's this cloth girdle. It has now become rotted and marred and maybe has holes. Maybe just, maybe it's come to that place, you know, how cloth can get to where it just comes apart. But it's been many days that it's been at the river Euphrates in this hole. And he says, it's totally worthless. It has no value. It has no function. It will no longer gather my clothes in. It will no longer hold my dagger. It will no longer hold my purse. 
It will no longer hold whatever instrument or article that I have to tuck in. And God is going to take that visual point and make it very practical to us. Because what God goes on to say to Jeremiah is, I really desire to be close, clean, and intimate with my people. But my people are soiled, dirty, torn, tattered, and worthless. This is a harsh message to be brought by Jeremiah to the people. It's a message that as he brings it, they don't want to hear it. It is what the book of Jeremiah is. It's a book of proclamation to a country who has gone ahead and set God aside. Even more than setting God aside, they've started to embrace foreign gods or no God. They've started to live a godless ungodly life. And the Lord is reaching out, reaching out through his prophet. He wants them to understand that his desire is a close relationship. Listen again to verse 11 of our text in Hebrews 13. For as the girdle cleaveth to the loins of a man, so have I caused uh, so have I caused to cleave unto me the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah, saith the Lord, that they might be unto me for a people, and for a name, and for a praise, and for a glory, but they would not. So as people ask Jeremiah about the girdle, Jeremiah, what's the deal with the girdle? He says, well, the girdle is like you, and you, and you, and you. God so desires to draw us close to him, to have that pure and righteous relationship with him, a relationship of praise and honor and glory. But you've refused and you have become worthless to the Lord. He desires, when you look at verse 11, to have his people. Even as today, you and I as Christians, Romans chapter 9 verse 26 says, It shall come to pass that in the place where it is said unto them, Ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. You see, you and I are living in this church age, the age of grace. A time at, in the past when Gentiles, it would be said, well, they are a godless people, a heathen people. And God says, no, there's going to come a time when my people shall be gathered from all nations. He says, there will come a time when those Gentiles shall know and love me. And you and I are living in that time. 2 Corinthians 6.16 says, ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. You and I, you and I that have received Christ into our heart, you and I that have accepted him as our savior, you and I that have put faith in the sacrifice of him on Calvary. He says, you are my people and I dwell in your hearts. Christ called it being born again. He told Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. Nicodemus said, how can that possibly happen? You can't go back into your mother's womb. He said, no, no, no. You've got to be born, born once of the water. And we understand the concept of being born out of that water sack. But he said, you've got to be born once of the Spirit as well. And when we are born of the Spirit, we become the children of God. We are born again as Christ called it. We are those that have the indwelling spirit of God in our hearts and our lives. We are what the Lord describes in verse 11. A people who are called to be by his name, for his glory, for his praise. It's interesting when we look in Acts chapter 11 verse 26. It says the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. It's noted in the book of Acts. How the people begin to be called Christians after Christ. You and I still today, 
called Christians. Now, if we're not careful, that becomes so watered down, doesn't it? It becomes so tattered, so stained, that all of a sudden it loses its value. It loses its recognition. When in reality, what God desires is that it would be a, a pure identity. That we are the people of God's name, Christians. It should be that as you and I go out into our community, our girdle is clean. They're able to see that we are the children of God, following after the name of God. It should be pure. It should be apparent. It's interesting, in Acts 26, verse 28, Agrippa said, Almost thou persuadest me to be, what? A Christian. King Agrippa knew. Shortly after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, during the ministry of the apostles, he knew what it was to be a Christian. And King Agrippa says, Almost, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. You and I live in a world today where in some parts, some corners of the world we live in, it's exceedingly dangerous to be a Christian. They just had in, um, oh, just trying to, Pakistan, just had in Pakistan a whole riot, 2,000 people rioted and burned down churches, tore down Christians' homes, and killed Christians. 2,000 people rose up against Christians in Pakistan this last week. The name Christian is a powerful identifier. Just as in Jeremiah, God is looking for those people, those people of his name. And you and I should cherish it, prize it, keep it clean and, and have it properly represent our God, even as God desired that girdle to symbolize that pure white linen. But if we're not careful, we let it get soiled. Sometimes we even hide it, don't we? Have you ever met Christians where you wonder, Is, are they really a Christian? Because they're hiding it. They've gone to Euphrates. They've pulled a rock. They've slid it in the back. And they thought nobody could see it. No. And there it sits and decays and stains and degrades. Oh, how we need to not do that. We need to wear our girdle proudly. I am a Christian. I am somebody who desires to honor the name of God. I am one who strives to walk with and to represent the Lord. That's God's desire. Looking for people that would take his holy name. As you look at verse 11 again, listen to what he says. So, I've, so I have caused to cleave unto me the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah, saith the Lord, that they might be unto me a people and for a name, and for a praise. He's looking for us to praise him. He is looking for us to exalt his holy name. He's looking for you and I to lift him up in a lost and dying world, to know who the Lord is. We're called to praise him. Romans 15 and 11 says, and again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. He's saying you and I have a calling to wear our girdle proudly, to praise God in our Christian lives, to share the faith, to share the walk that others might see and know that there's a true and living God who loves them, who died for them, that they might have eternal life. He desires to be praised by us. As you go down a little farther in verse 11, he says not only does he desire those that would praise him, but also those that would bring glory to him. Now to bring glory and honor is to exalt and to lift up and to point to in awe and wonder. He deserves the glory, not you and I. Romans 15, 5 and 6, it says, Now the God of patience and consolation grant unto you to be like-minded as towards another according to Christ Jesus, 
that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I called that we with one mind and one mouth might wear our girdle proudly. It might be clean. It might be ornate. It might be utilitarian. But it brings all the glory to the Lord. In your life, when you look at your life, and you look at your blessings, do you say God deserves the glory? I, I look back there, I see Hannah. She's holding a... Are you holding a baby? I, I thought you were holding a baby. Little... Little Owen. And so when you look at that little baby, man, I'm telling you that that compels me to give God the glory. He is worthy of all the glory, isn't he? As we look at life and the gift of life. I, I was talking to one of the young men in our church the other day. Uh, and he was talking to me about his job and how the Lord has blessed him in his salary and his benefits and all that. And you know what I think when I hear that? You're blessed by God. Amen. You're blessed by God. So blessed. There's so many things in our lives that if we're not careful, we take the glory. Oh yeah, man, I'm a self-made man. No, you're not. No, you're not. If you've done well, you are blessed. You are blessed by a God Almighty who gives you the breath to breathe each day and the walk to walk each day, the sight to see each day, the tongue to talk each day. He deserves all the glory. And here he tells us, he says, I desire that. I desire you to wear that clean girdle that gives me the glory in all that I bless you with. Revelation chapter 15 verse 4 says, who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee. For thy judgments are made manifest. You see, the day will come. That's what the book of Revelation is telling us. The day will come. When even those nations like Pakistan, who would rise up a riot of 2,000 people, who would go in and burn down churches and tear down Christian homes and kill and harm Christian believers. He says, one day, every knee shall bow and every mouth shall confess. He says, one day, every nation of every kindred, of every people, they will recognize and know God. Now, we can deny that as a people. That's what, that's what Jeremiah's job was. He was dealing with a nation that had come to a place where they were kicking God out of school. They were kicking God off the green. They were kicking God out of the community. They were kicking God out of the tabernacles. It didn't matter. They had just flat started to rebel against God and kick him out. And God said to Jeremiah... These people are like a rotted garment, like a girdle that no longer has value. It's filthy, but not just filthy, it's degraded. It's disintegrated. He says they no longer have value. No, no longer honoring God, no longer glorifying God, no longer claiming his name, no longer being his people. And so Jeremiah warned them. He said, I want you to understand that some consequences are going to come. And when you read through Jeremiah, he lets them know there are going to be invading forces that come in. He says, you're not only going to be conquered, you're going to be carried away from your land. He talks to them, he says, right now all your bottles are full, all your jars are full but they shall be broken. Jeremiah was the preacher. He was the prophet. He was telling the nation, come back, come back. God's had enough. And the people would not hear. You and I, living in the year 2023, it's always good to step back 
and look at our laundry. We came back from camp and Sandra Joe's so good to me. You know, she takes care of all that for me. And so I came back from youth camp and, you know, had been the director for the week. And every day I change my clothes, I throw them in a bag. And by the end of the week, I got a bag full of clothes. Now, when I get home, I don't start pulling those clothes out and putting them back on. For one, I'd get in big trouble. Another, I'd start to stink. And before long, it'd be, John would be saying, yeah, even the preacher smells bad. No, but what happened? Sandra Jo, she asks me, is this your dirty clothes bag? Yep, absolutely. And she takes it and she sorts it and she washes it. It's really good for all of us to maintain cleanliness, isn't it? To maintain. Same thing spiritually. Same exact thing spiritually. You don't want to just keep pulling out the same old dirty. You don't want to just keep letting it become soiled and soiled and soiled. That's why he tells us to come to him and to confess our sin and that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. It's so important to remember those verses. Because Jeremiah is warning us. He's saying it's time. It's time for us. We need spiritual renewal. Spiritual cleansing. October we're going to go into revival. But you don't have to wait till then. Amen? Amen. You know, when I, when I was a kid, my grandparents used to talk about that they would do a once a week bath. Have you ever heard people talk about the once a week bath? I was reading an article about the Midwest back during the time when people moved to the West. And they said, oftentimes, you were fortunate to get a bath once a month. I was reading another, another article about the Elizabethan age for the common man. Not Elizabeth, but the common man. You are lucky to get a bath once a year. Does that sound pretty disgusting? John thinks camp was bad. Listen, we don't have to wait till next year or next month or even next week. You and I spiritually, right now, can come before the Lord and say, Lord, I, I have soiled. I have spots and dots and tears, and I need to take care of me. I need to take care of me spiritually. Maybe you look right now and you say, well, I, I've never had a spiritual relationship with God. Then today's the day to begin. Today is the day to come and receive Christ as your Savior. Accept Him into your heart and into your life. That you might have a walk with the Lord, an eternal home. But maybe you've been a Christian. Maybe you're live streaming this morning. And you're at a dark place. Maybe, maybe spiritually you're thinking to yourself, well, I am far away from an obvious walk with God. I have hidden my spiritual life in a hole behind a rock for a long time. Today's the day. Today's the day to get it straightened out, cleaned up, to draw back and near to God, for he beckons us. Come unto me, all ye that are weary. And I will give you rest. Come to him. Let's acapella sing that next verse. And we'll sing it as to the Lord as a prayer. All set? Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Amen. Brother John is going to lead us in a chorus and then we're going to be dismissed. Thank you so much for being here today. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. 
Joyful, joyful, we adore Thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before Thee, opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, 